Welcome to The Fear, a 2020 cure to the shame, anxiety and stress of social mishap. It's not just you, it's us too. I'm Lucy Holden. And I'm Aniron George. Welcome to The Fear. We're here basically to halve your fear, we hope, by asking you to share it with us. And we'll hopefully halve ours in the process, right, now. Well, if not, I want my money back. <laughs> Our theory is that these swallow-me-up moments happen far too frequently to all of us, so we shouldn't let the angst debilitate us. And so this week, which is, what, week six yeah. of lockdown? I've completely lost count. Weeks, months, years, who, who knows how long <laughs> we've been inside. So basically, we thought we'd G everyone up a bit by talking about how we're not missing out on not being able to go out which just always reminds me of Mickey Flanagan, that expression. <laughs> we should explain a little bit about what you do at this point, maybe, because um, we explained in the pilot, if anyone's already listened to that, that I'm a journalist and my fear threshold is very high as a result. You are an actor. So how mm-hmm. does that impact how you think about the fear in general and that sort of after shame of the evening out? I think I'm the total opposite of you. Uh, (laughs) my threshold is very very low because doing all the lovely actor training you spend many years sort of analyzing every little movement that you make and every little way that your voice goes when you're talking you're constantly analyzing everything you say everything you do where you put your hands when you're talking to people so I think my fear is extraordinarily high I think so you've got like almost like a hyper thought about it yeah and that's just when I'm sober as well So unsurprisingly, we've had quite a few suggestions of stories um, which we could use to demonstrate the fear that you'll be saving yourself from by not going out at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. In fact, we've had so many that we've sort of had to narrow them down, which is probably saying too much, I thought, about (laughs) the level of fear that we're giving ourselves by uh, staying out really late and most probably drinking too much along the Mm way. I actually read this amazing column in The Guardian couple of weeks ago um, by Tim Dowling. If you know Tim Dowling, you'll know that he often describes himself as a pretty antisocial character. He describes himself as a natural introvert. So he was talking in this column about how much he was enjoying lockdown and the social distancing rules because it was basically now polite to cross the road (laughs) when you saw someone that you knew. Whereas normally he'd feel so anxious, he'd do it anyway and then feel like shit. But now it was actually like the right thing to do. I did see that he'd mentioned um, that he was enjoying the empty streets. And I just, I don't know where he lives, but he's clearly not in London because there are no empty streets here in London. I feel like there's still people every Everywhere. I mean, say going to the shop for like wine. I mean, not wine, obviously, like essential supplies, obviously. <laughs> like um, pasta. But that yeah. still feels like I'm having to practice leapfrogging or something just to get around people. Like... Yeah, exactly. I, I heard they turn the lights off actually on the South Bank to try and deter people from hanging out there. We, we reckoned <sighs> it was basically a safety first in Corona, right? So, an appreciation of what can't happen to us which might be a nice reminder to stay indoors and even more so by not going out out. It does feel a little bit like dry January in a way. Well, I mean, I'm certainly not giving my liver a recuperation break like dry January. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think lots of people are just still desperately trying to hold on to that sort of idea of the bingy weekend night out, but just take it from the pub into their living rooms with like Zoom raves and things. Although 
I think we should warn at this point against sort of out of hand Zoom drinks, given our producer was in bed at like 4am last night after a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently living with my parents in Bath and I I don't know how they'd feel about a Zoom rave. So I've been lucky enough to avoid that. You're living with your girlfriend in London. So have you have you had like any accidental late nights? Um, The problem is they're not that accidental. I'm definitely still drinking probably about as much as I did before except this time it's all coming from Tesco or co-op rather than high-end bars in London well it's cheaper it is actually so much cheaper you're right I can Mm -hmm. see my finances sort of resurrecting themselves which is nice but that is possibly (laughs) the only positive even Mm. if if you're working full-time still or you've been furloughed and you're doing whatever you're doing it's very hard to shake that culture that we have I think of um on on Friday you just get pissed but I've had to resort to teenage tactics because I'm at home now so when when I was younger my friend Liv and I her parents had a really big booze cabinet and so we used to before a house party um go to her parents booze cabinet and make what we described then as a concoction um, (laughs) which basically tells you everything you need to know but it involved us pouring one sip of every alcohol in the cabinet into one Evian bottle and then trying to drink it so I've taken some of the inspiration behind the concoction and I've brought it home age 30 (laughs) in lockdown but what I want to spell this out to my parents especially if they're listening they don't have a large booze cabinet which is very helpful um, but I might have accidentally the other night borrowed some of their vodka and then tops it back up with water they'll never know obviously because (laughs) vodka and water are exactly the same (laughs) that's what i thought taste wise odor wise yeah you'll be fine everyone loves diet coke and water don't they after a hard day you get back in i'll have i'll have a nice diet coke and water exactly i figured it was sort of kind because i would save them the hangover that I, i then had thrust upon me the next day there you go you're a humanitarian lucy So what are you not missing about not being able to go out out? Uh, I mean, my bank balance isn't getting raided at midnight by me deciding, let's have tequila shots. <laughs> That's never a good idea. Everyone knows that. It's, sometimes it's a great idea, but usually when it's on somebody else's tab. <laughs> yes. I'm definitely, definitely so glad to not have been hung over on a tube for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is bleak. One thing I'm definitely not missing is I work in a, a bar slash cafe type deal and I usually finish work at about five o'clock in the evening. So you think, oh, there's beer on tap. I'll have a pint here. There's kind of that unwritten rule about, you know, don't drink too much in the place that you work. Um, For sure. And yeah. here's why. Um, so <laughs> often, a couple of pints will turn into six or seven pints, you know. <laughs> Bold in your place of work. Oh. I could never work in a bar for exactly this reason. Mm. But then once you realise the discount you get for being a member of staff, it's just yeah. too expensive to drink anywhere else, Lucy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a particular thing that happened quite recently was it would come to about, about 11 o'clock at night. I've been drinking for about four or five hours. So my evening manager said to me, uh, Aniron, you're drunk, go home. I don't really remember what had happened before that point oh, or no. after that point. Oh, no. um, but I woke up in the morning with the words, Aniron, you're drunk, go home ringing in my ears and I couldn't remember the context thereof what had it been said in a fun way or an angry way was had I been fired oh shit um, I had work that morning so I had to get into work and then work an entire day's shift and wait for the <gasps> evening manager to come in and oh. find out if I was indeed fired or um, yeah. if everything was fine so basically your anxiety is just like sky high all day in preparation yeah add that anxiety to about six or seven cups of coffee because obviously it's a coffee shop and you've got yourself some real fear going 
going on there. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Let's be honest, drinking in your workplace or with your colleagues is quite dangerous. It's quite Absolutely. A, yeah. It's absolutely it's a minefield. We had a message on a Facebook message from a young barista in London. Not barista, that's what I work as. <laughs> We've had a Facebook message from a young barrister in London. She says they regularly have to attend dinners at Gray's Inn, uh, the societies in London that train barristers. Yeah, the idea yeah. being that new barristers and student barristers can like network together, um, and then there's judges present with them too. Cool. Um, there was this one particular judge, the girl says, who was known for being super strict and just, like really harsh in court and oh, wouldn't let anything slide. Oh, no. So this girl, after several <laughs> drinks decides to make a beeline for her ah. and decides to strike up a conversation with this judge. She said that her exact words to this judge were, <clears throat> God. I know they all think you're a cunt, <laughs> but I think you're sound. <laughs> and then she tried to high five her. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. My mum would not know what that meant. If I called my mum sound, I don't know what she'd say. Like, it's very like Mancunian, oh, like Gallagher's, isn't it? That. Yeah, sound. It's like festival, <laughs> like you're fucked at a festival vibes. Like, why would that girl think that was appropriate? She woke up with the fear that she'd been fired. But she's since lost every case in front of that judge that she's tried in court. <gasps> Lucy, yeah. what about you? What do you not miss? About going at at. Oh, Christ, I mean, where do I start? The 2M photo shoots is, is possibly quite high up there. Well, I don't know if boys do this, actually. I'd quite like your perspective. But um, my friends and I, mainly my girlfriends, we have this absolutely disgusting habit of um, convincing each other that we're like Adidas models, sort of two or three in the morning. And uh, so we'll have gone back to someone's house from the pub, obviously. It's usually a Sunday, which is just even right. worse. <laughs> so somebody's probably already wearing Adidas. The others decide, yeah, let's let's all get Adidas on. And then we take like 95 selfies of us in Adidas, like nylon sports kit, posing like Noel Gallagher in Sports Direct. <laughs> And it just <laughs> kills me. Every time I look at my phone in the morning, I've I've either managed to get home or I wake up on the sofa of the premier Adidas model. <laughs> and I just think, like, why? Why would anyone think they were attractive at 2.56 in the morning? And you only realise the time because, unfortunately, you've got 95 selfies with the time written above each one. <laughs> I have a question. Is it specifically Adidas? Can it be any sports brand? Or is there something about Adidas that really makes you all feel like you look great? I'm quite partial to a bit of a Le Coq Sportif, as anyone <laughs> Aren't would we be. all? Aren't we all? The number one thing that I don't miss about having been sort of semi-chained inside is drunken thieving. Ooh. The list of what I've woken up with uh, is just... <laughs> really, really quite amazing. I don't know whether to say horrific or impressive. Constantly. Probably both, Lucy. <laughs> horrific and impressive often go together, don't worry. Yeah, I've um, I've woken up with a, a large China dog with a missing thigh, a terracotta Chinese monkey with its hands over its eyes, you know, in that sort of like, you know, there's like normally trios of these things and one of them speak no evil, see no evil or yeah, yeah. The whatever, three wise monkeys. whatever the other one is. I had the see no evil one, probably because it, it had its hands over its eyes because I was nicking it from a bar and so like... Are you suggesting that before it was just like a normal monkey statue? Yes, and in I am. your act of stealing it, it turned into a see no evil monkey. Yeah, in judgment. Terracotta judgment, lovely. I've woken up with um, a, c 
cardboard cutout of the Queen, which had I Love Lucy written all over her face in no. red, red <laughs> lipstick. What? I jumped out of my sheets when I woke up in the morning. Like that was that actually terrified me because I obviously had no recollection of stealing Her Majesty, and, uh, and so I thought it was an actual woman in my room. <laughs> You've accidentally kidnapped an elderly woman. Exactly. I really like stern elderly woman. It's like, take me back. Where did you even get that from? Weatherspoons, obviously. Ah, of course, yeah. No, I've, I've heard the Queen absolutely loves curry club, so that makes so much sense. She, does. she can't get enough of that tikka masala. She's a diva for it. She loves it. This is my problem, that I don't think I should be so impressed with myself for stealing anything but it was really a genuinely it was like Hatton Garden styley. You can't justify stealing but a cold book out of the Queen you can't leave that where it is. She'd had enough like honestly I could yeah. see it in her face she just wanted to be out of there. This Weatherspoons I was actually at uni at mm-hmm. the time so I was in Leeds I was on a netball social which I don't know how up with netball socials you are but basically all good netball socials take place in a Weatherspoons. It was either like the Jubilee or some obviously some big regal celebration thing, hence why they'd bought life-size, can I point out, cardboard cutouts of the Queen. She's, I mean, she's quite short, but it was still like at least 5'5". Five five. So we started like quite innocently by just moving Queenie to our table so she could right. join in a netball social. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's like a born goal attack. Obviously. No, she'd be more of a wing defence, possibly. That's where you put people that don't run around very much but then we realized when we were leaving that we didn't want to leave her there it felt like sort of um a bit disrespectful a bit disloyal absolutely yeah so um we decided to sort of i don't know i sort of i think in my head at the time i imagined we were like navy seals sort of saving queen elizabeth from the spanish armada it it felt exactly the same as that in my mind at the time so obviously we booked an uber um, because that's what Navy SEALs would do. We basically knew that the staff at Weatherspoons were going to chase us because you can't get away too easily with a cardboard cutout of Queen Liz under your arm. No, they've got people watching that, surely. There's like two bar staff on Liz duty all night. And then on video upstairs, like the CIA, right? Just watching, just just checking everything's like... Or MI5, maybe. I've been watching the Bureau. So. Ah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> that's where that's coming from. But yeah, so we booked a cab and uh, this cab pulls up on the opposite side of this square. Bearing in mind, this is a sports team social. So we all know <laughs> that we can run. The cab turns up, I put her under my arm and we literally peg it across this square <laughs> to the Uber. We shove her into the back. And at this point, I think it dawned on me finally that maybe the driver would have a problem with us stealing the Queen. But he literally did not care about the trees inside of it whatsoever. Well, you just got to act casual. No one's going to know you stole it. Act <laughs> like it's really your cardboard cutout of Queen Elizabeth. And we got her in. We got her in the cab. We actually had a great right. night. I took her to a house party. She she loved oh. it. Yeah, that's, that's high up there for me in terms of the fear because mm-hmm. I do, my, the fear of the, the drink that you've drunk and mm-hmm. then waking up with a member of the royal family standing over <laughs> you and wondering if you're going to be arrested for one theft and two stealing the queen even if she is only cardboard that was mm-hmm. quite high so I, I, where is she now oh i think she's wait she locked down in windsor castle your cardboard queen oh, oh god the cardboard queen oh she's just forever in my mind as the one that got away Do you know what? Despite my thefts, um, it's a shame 
that despite being quite excellent at taking the things or acquiring them, I should say, liberating them, mm-hmm. liberating, I'm, obviously. liberating, um, I'm really quite shit at holding on to them. Um, because an ex-boyfriend's mum made me take back the China dog, which was honestly that was awful. Having to return to the scene of a crime with a large ceramic Labrador that you've stolen the night before at your boyfriend's thirtieth birthday dinner. <laughs> Can you imagine? There's only one thing that I've voluntarily given back, and uh, that was a man's wallet, to be fair. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah, I accidentally, that is the key word before we continue, mm-hmm. accidentally stole a guy's wallet after a night in the breakfast club in London Bridge where we used to go way too much. Yeah. And I, I had to find him online to tell him that I'd accidentally robbed him. To excuse myself partly, his mm-hmm. card wallet was basically identical to mine, which I think is why I accidentally picked up from the bar. I didn't like take it out of his pocket or something. Can I add? I'm not like Oliver Twist or no. something, but um, yeah. yeah, he. I think what, a man should maybe not have a black snakeskin card wallet. Not that I want to judge men that do, <laughs> but if he hadn't, this particular man, uh, maybe I wouldn't have gone home with his and mine. How angry was he at this accidental robbing? He asked me out. He literally asked <laughs> me out. <laughs> I think the worst thing I've ever stolen, um, this is probably the only thing I've ever stolen, this is why I learned not to steal things, was um, I took home, like a, the, on, you know, on the bar, um, you have like the bar mat thing, yeah, and there was yeah. a Captain Morgan one of those, and it looked like really, really cool, so I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to have that, so I sort of casually rolled it up and, and stuffed it under my arm. Casually? <laughs> casually rolled it, I'm very casual, obviously, with these things, like it was dripping in booze. They're called drip trays. No, not a drip tray. It's like it's like a like a like a foam fabric mat thing. Oh. Which over the course of a night in this club, everyone had spilled everything from lager to oh. I don't know a sex on the beach or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I rolled it up, stuffed it under my arm as we're leaving. Um. And then I got home. And for some reason, when I got home, I hid it in my wardrobe, obviously, <laughs> just in case they were following me. Um. And then of course forgot that I'd done that Oh no! until a few days to a week later I start to notice a really strange smell in my room that I absolutely cannot find the source of until I open up my wardrobe and there's just a moulding soaked beer mat growing Uh, its own new form of life and that's why I never steal things. (laughs) Yeah I I was thinking anyone who has that accidental sort of out-out liberation should be a bit careful because sometimes the karma sort of does seem to come around and like bite you on the ass. I was told this um amazing story about somebody having their entire roast dinner stolen from their own fridge after taking someone home after a night out. How does that even work? I know. So basically the gist of it was that this girl had pulled, goes out, Mm. pulls, takes the guy back to her house in Manchester, but she's a student at the time. So the house is massive, three floors, five bedrooms, obviously everyone else is in bed when they get home so it's basically just looks like this massive house of shut doors and i don't know how this bit happens because the girl herself didn't know how this bit happened but basically (laughs) the guy managed to lose her in the house and doesn't know where she's sleeping so instead of knocking on sort of you know five doors and plus a few bathrooms he just decides to go sleep on the sofa downstairs but then in the middle of the night, he wakes up. Um, he's obviously drank quite a lot, I imagine, because he's desperate for the loo. And uh, he doesn't know where the bathroom is, but he does find next to the, you know, somewhere in this room, there's apparently mm-hmm. like a water glass. I know this because I'm filling in the gaps and you'll see how in a minute. He basically um, pisses in the glass. He just 
keeps going and the glass is full. So it's just basically everywhere, all over this oh. room, which is just, you can sort of smell it, can't you? It's sort of horrible. Yeah. Oh. And uh, the next day, the girl wakes up, or the whole house wake up, um, mm-hmm. and they obviously uh, trying to w- quickly work out what's happened because the front door to their house is wide open. There's a water glass full of piss next to the sofa. <laughs> The whole sitting room stinks like a urinal. And when they go to their... So it's like... So that would have been a Saturday night. So it's now Sunday. They were planning to have a roast dinner for the whole house on a Sunday. You know, like a bonding thing. They've Mm -hmm. got all the shit. It's in the fridge. They look in the fridge and the guy has taken on the way out, having basically wet their entire sitting room, he's taken their entire roast dinner. But (laughs) he leaves the chicken. (laughs) This guy has gone home having not had sex with this girl that he probably quite fancied, thinking that maybe he's going to compensate himself by eating trimmings for five. <laughs> so the next one that we've had is, I think this is a dip, this is a sort of different fear. This is more okay. just, I don't know, I was going to say balls out comedy, but um, <laughs> I've never used that expression before, so I'm not Genitals sure Genitals out works. comedy, <laughs> Yeah, we'll go with that. It took place on a Sunday, and Sundays are—I find them really devastating days. They because mm-hmm. they catch me out. They—they're right. supposed to be the safe day. They're the day where everyone's like just taking it easy in lieu of Monday morning. <laughs> what, what happens is you plan a roast dinner with friends. You anticipate mm-hmm. being a little bit hungover after Saturday night. Sure. You plan a roast, which is supposed to rejuvenate you. You think, oh, you'll have a, a walk in the fresh air, clear the cobweb all the other cliches everyone has high hopes of not getting pissed on a Saturday night most people wake up on Sunday feeling a lot worse than they'd expected so the idea of a walk suddenly seems really fucking unappealing so what you do is then you're like okay don't worry we'll just we'll we'll meet slightly later we'll meet at the restaurant we'll have the roast (laughs) then we'll go for the walk right that's never mm-hmm. happened to anyone in life ever. You go to the restaurant, hanging. Yep. You remember <laughs> that hair of the dog exists. You mm-hmm. order a bottle of red. By 5pm, 6pm, you're still at the table, shit-faced on red wine. Thinking like, why God? Given it's Sunday. <laughs> God, why God? Why again have I, have I done this again? And you know that the mon- Monday morning fear, I would argue, mm-hmm. is always the worst. Everyone hates Mondays and then you're hungover. You guilt trip yourself hugely about fucking up on Sunday. But anyway, so let me get back to this girl's story. Okay. So on a Sunday... She starts with a bit of context, saying that she basically on the Friday night, she'd gone home to meet her younger brother's new girlfriend. Um, She was feeling pretty shit about it. I think it was like more like the new girlfriend was meeting the parents and she'd agreed to go. She was feeling really shit about it because she just had a breakup. So basically she's in that sort of immediate post-breakup stage where you don't want to see anyone else happy ever regardless yeah. about what it's about you just like you want everyone to just be as fucking unhappy as you are all the yeah. time but she's she's trying to be a good person she's trying to be like a good sister so she goes home to meet mm-hmm. this girl but she says she basically has this very difficult weekend because the parents are going overboard to welcome right. the new girlfriend to the family um so they're just like completely sycophantic and by sunday she's like get 
me out of here. Like, that's enough. Like, I've done my bit. I want to mm-hmm. have some of my weekend. So she says she decides to go back to London early and joins friends for something they've booked, which is called a Bacchanalian brunch. Do you know what that word means? I think so. Um, yeah. Because is it like a... Of, as in like, Bacchus. Yeah, Bacchus, the god of wine, right? The go- yeah, I think he or, might be... The god of wine and theatre in Rome. Oh, oh really? Oh, oh, oh. And Drama I think he training might... coming in there. Yeah. Oh, my God, it's worth it. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a bacchanal is like a really big sort of party slash orgy, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, like a bacchanalian and, um, brunch would, would make sense. And I yeah. think it might involve food as well. I think... Um, oh, yeah, if it's um, Romans, it's all food, drink. Food, drink, sex, Nakedness, yeah. Well, that actually makes perfect sense once you hear what she's about to say. She says, I'd had a shit weekend and decided to enjoy the dregs of it back in London. Dregs obviously being the key word, because we're talking <laughs> about Bacchus here. It sounds like also that the weekend at home was basically so boring that she was just spurred into overexcitement at the idea of, like, drinks with friends so she goes to this brunch she describes it as um five courses with a different cocktail with every course and on top of that they had bottomless red and white wine and prosecco (laughs) i can feel the fear seeping in already lucy i know you can see where this is going right um so she says it's on the top floor of this building in old street um like a sort of pop-up thing and to use Mm -hmm. her words she Mm -hmm. drank everything (laughs) 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 everything she says that they were sitting at these long sort of feast style tables which again presumably fits in with a whole like roman theme sure um there's lots of people sitting around her little group that they didn't know which makes it sound a little bit like sort of swanky uh wagamamas or something i guess sure yeah 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 she does manage to sort of get through this lunch which is a fucking good effort given the quantity of different drinks provided yeah she says there was a tall quite fit guy at the end of the table which i this leaped out at me because i love the way that girls describe that he was quite fit that means basically to me that she's like uncommitted slightly kind and understanding that she's also wrecked <laughs> <laughs> so she's uh, she says she's been looking at this quite fit guy Probably mm-hmm. a little too obviously. Now it down from three of him to one of him to tell if he's fit or not. Exactly. Yeah. There were triplets to start with. Now there's <laughs> only one. She then says that they happen to find themselves in the girls' lose, banging away. This is a direct quote, by the way. Right, yeah. <laughs> happen to find themselves in the girls' lose, banging away before they leave. And they come back into a room of applause because everyone could hear them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe this is just me, but as fear things go, okay, yes, that that definitely the next morning there's a large amount of fear there, but I mean, sex is a natural thing. It makes sense. I do like the fact that you think that that's fine, because that's very liberal of you. But do you know what I think is happening here, Nai, is that basically... You're being persuaded by this. Let's take a bow, you know? Well, listen to this. She literally took a bow because she fell down the stairs on the way out of Ooh. the building. <laughs> What have we learned about the fear and the joy of not going out out? At it. Well, I mean, I do appreciate what can't happen to us now we're not allowed to have those raging weekends, I have to say. Yeah, I'm really torn as to whether I'm missing it or not. I'm, I'm very much on the fence. Um, I think it depends what kind of mood I'm in. We talked about this briefly in, the, in our pilot, but most people, I think, are a mixture of an introvert and an extrovert. So I think um, I think that possibly it, it's very normal and very common to, to both miss it and relish yeah. the quietness Absolutely. at the same time. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, gonna, I'm going to 
be so excited about the catch-ups I can have with my friends. But until then, I mean, let's just remember what can't happen to us <laughs> when we don't go out. <laughs> and maybe we'll even learn a few lessons during this about how, you know, how we maybe don't need to behave or more likely, you know, the, the kind of behaviours that actually don't make us feel great Yeah. Um, after a night out. Yeah, I'm really starting to enjoy the quiet life and weighing up becoming a lighthouse keeper or something. Oh. I think actually, though, just to make a more serious point, um, the one thing that I've really taken from this episode is that um, I don't think that I will ever agree to go to a Bacalalian brunch. Nothing ever good comes from a bottomless brunch. (laughs) Quite right. So each week we want to try and help each other with ways of reducing the fear. And you can do this by sharing your own stories with us. Email us at contact at thefearpodcast.com and follow at fearwhatfear on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. If you're not ready to share the fear with us just yet, our friend Claire, who has years of personal experience in the field and therefore a natural interest in calming techniques is going to each week tell us about a new way to feel less anxious about the fear. Thanks Nye and Lucy. Claire's calming tip of the week. So this week I've been trying a free online Yale course called the science of well-being. Naturally I was very intrigued to call myself a Yale student. Hell yeah. And I was also intrigued by the course's aim which is to teach you how to become happier and less stressed. It was the most popular class in Yale's history between 2018 and 2019. And given everything that's going on at the moment, in March alone of this year, over 630,000 people enrolled, (gasps) which is just absolutely incredible. No way. Wow. It's taught in the home of psychology Yale professor, Laurie Santos, which instantly makes you feel more relaxed. You're not staring at some teacher at the top of a massive lecture hall with 300 students in the class. And Laurie Santos herself is just so friendly and lovely. I was instantly relaxed and engaged. It's approximately a 10 week program, depending on yourself, could take you longer or shorter. It involves five lectures and then five weeks of putting into action what you've learned. There's no pressure on doing extra reading or doing homework, which is great if you're still working. The point of the course is to help you to develop healthy habits to improve your life, make you happier and less stress. In the first five lectures, Laurie Santos discusses research in positive psychology and psychological and behavioural science, which to some may sound a little more complicated than it actually is. Basically, the studies just provide an insight into how your brain and behaviours may be contributing to your unhappiness. And then Santos provides seven habits that, that have been proven to improve your well-being, reduce your stress and basically help you live a more fulfilling life. I absolutely love the course. The findings are super interesting. Only downfall is that at times it can kind of seem like it's aimed at college life with focus on exam stress and being unhappy about grades, but you can easily relate the different scenarios to your own life. If you want to learn more, visit Coursera and look up the science of well-being from Yale for more details. Remember, stay safe and don't let the fear get you down. (laughs) 
thank you for listening to The Fear. Tune in next week for more of our 2020 cure to the shame, anxiety and stress of social mishap. Production by Hannah Barlow and music by Nick Evans.